Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Varney, Mike and Deglio. Yeah, yeah it is. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Mike's using a different camera <laughs> so we can perv on his room. Sign up for the Patreon, folks! New Patreon tier. Herbs. <laughs> Alan Shore just subscribed! <laughs> and welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which uh, me, I'm Keith Varney, and my buddy Mike, Mike and Deglio, talk about David Kelly's award winning series, The Practice. We do, we do. This week, we are up to Season 8, Episode 13, entitled Going Home. Uh, We have a jam-packed episode today. Uh, Very excited to talk about all of it. Mike, you have uh, returned to performing after a week off for the vid. How was the week of shows? Um, you know, that's a, that's a, it was, it was nice to be back. Uh, The audiences were great in rescheduling their tickets. Uh, I'm still struggling, man. I have to say, I'm testing negative, so I I feel you know I'm past my window. It's been two weeks, over two weeks now. <clears throat> the fatigue is a real thing, and uh, a little test chest tightness. I can't get rid of this cough. It's it's not the ideal circumstances. You want to be singing a two-hour musical, but uh, yeah. But I guess the one the the freak side effect I've had is a complete and almost utter loss of appetite. So, uh, I'm losing weight. So you're going to look fabulous. I lost yeah, that COVID-15, well, yeah. Boy, I tell you, the uh, it's professionalism. The show must go on eventually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, every time you see a live theater production, don't just assume that everybody there is, like, feeling great just because they're giving a great performance. Uh, that's part of the... Uh, Part of the majesty of live theater is stuff getting done even under ridiculous circumstances. Well, uh, let's not even, I mean, the theater, you know, small business has to make decisions. They've decided because of some complaints and different pressures to not have a mask requirement right now, even though we're in like a super explosion of this mm-hmm. subvariance here. And so every night, <clears throat> I'd say about 25 to 25 to 40% of the audience is masked. And then the other percent is not. And just like listening, it's like a World War II infirmary camp in there. I mean, it is, I can just see it being spread. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm certain I, that's how I caught it. I'm certain I caught I, it from the I'm audience. Sure. You're in the, you're in this cloud of COVID. Uh, well, if you don't have mask requirements and yeah, it's, it's funny. I think back to, um, the last show I saw before the shutdown, mm-hmm. um, and that was I went to go see Eric in an MTC show, and uh, is a is a play, 
and it's a, you know it's a smaller theater and i've you know it's it's, it's a play it's a play about older folks so it, the audience was old so i thought that was why it sounded like a plague ward <clears throat> and this this was like probably february of 2020 before we all knew that we all had it uh and it was like now looking back on it i'm like yeah uh, i'm not going to be indoors not wearing a mask anytime soon let me put yeah. it that way um, yeah we've we've changed our habits i i will say that my wife and i sort of had um <clears throat> you know after the vaccines and the boosters and a lot of the messaging we had sort of returned to a pretty relatively normal sort of uh <clears throat> non-masked sort of ex- existence and we've I've at least well, no, both of us have have, have altered that now. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I mean, it's it's tough, and I, I you know, we're going through this huge surge right now, mainly because people are just freaking tired of it and yeah. stop, and it's like, oh, whatever. And uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, the uh, <laughs> COVID doesn't care that you're tired of it. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, and and you know, I, I've read so many things, and I'm I'm blessed. I'm glad that the vaccine basically worked for me, and and. I I had a really nasty flu kind of cold thing, but I'm worried about some of the long term stuff like the fatigue. I don't, you know, I'm a runner. I'm, I work out. I don't know that I'm going to be going back to that anytime soon. I'm really trying to rest it up because I've heard people that kind of push it too soon end up with some really long lasting things, and I'm trying to avoid that. But I don't know. There's a there's a lot of unknowns, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> hang in there. Rest but up. Before we continue, yes. You said you didn't want to make a big deal about it, so I won't make a big deal about it, but we want to wish a happy birthday. Oh, right. To ah. our buddy Keith. Uh, it's passed, mm, mm. so you don't have to send any gifts, but you can if you want. If you've uh, Anything you want to send Keith's way, you just uh, go ahead and shoot that in an email, outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, when when you teed that up, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, I, I, I yes, oh, we used I to make a big a... deal with like farting balloons and videos and stuff, but eh, you know. it was exhausting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, yes. No, no, we, I, I had a, I had a lovely, uh, relaxed time. Went to the comic book store. I went, went looking for for more Star Trek toys. Ended up walking out with, uh, with a whole bunch more of my GI Joe comic books, which I collect. I'm working on. Uh, Nice. Completing the entire set of uh, GI Joe comic books, which uh, it's it's really fun. I I now have issues all the way up to 140, and it only went through 155. Oh, so, uh, okay. Before it shut down, so I'm very close. The problem is those later ones get very expensive uh, <laughs> because. Uh, so uh, here's looking at you, anybody out there. You know, you got a beat on a 140 through 155. You hit us up. You let us know. It's yeah. Pete's birthday. G damn it. Yeah, there it is. So, uh, but I, I wanted to quickly, this, this is going to be a very long episode. I can already tell right now. Uh, so Mike's still coming out of COVID and, but I'm the one on yes. antibiotics. And let Ooh. me tell you why I'm on antibiotics. Not because of the plague that I've had for three some odd weeks. That is not COVID. <laughs> uh, so, uh, this week, uh, one of my best friends got engaged, um, which was super, super awesome. It was a, it was a twigs. Yeah. Uh, got a, uh, it's a very small deal. It's just the two of them in this beautiful, uh, sort of park sanctuary upstate. And, uh, but I was there to take pictures, right? Secretly like pretend like, so I was, 
uh, she wasn't supposed to obviously didn't know about the proposal, but also like wasn't I wasn't I wasn't supposed to be there. Oh, please and, tell me uh, you got you were hiding in the bushes or something. I was a hundred percent hiding in the bushes, diving back and forth behind trees, sneaking up on them like a wild animal. This is going okay, as the proposal on. happened. Uh, so it was uh, it was beautiful. The pictures came out well. Uh, she said yes. It was wonderful. It was great. Uh, we had dinner with the family. Came back uh, that night. Next morning, I get up, take a shower, and I got a giant tick in my arm. Oh. Uh, fully, uh, fully embedded, fully the whole thing. So I am on antibiotics to fight off the quite high likelihood of Lyme disease. Oh no. So did you get the tick out? <clears throat> I got the tick out, but it's hard because he'd already been in there for a while and it was hard How to get him out. How did you know you got the, like, the, the bullseye and everything? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know for sure because I, I had to dig around in there to get it out, so it could just be a bruise. But the the doctor was like, "No, let's not screw around with it. Let's oh, uh, let's throw in some antibiotics." Man. So, you know, ticks are a real thing, and they yeah. are these are not the ticks that we had as kids. And there's a whole it's a it's an epidemic that um, has been starting to take over. It's up north of my parents' place. It's insane. Um, but even all the way down here in Jersey, be very careful uh, with ticks. So it's not it's not the end of the world. Like if you if you if you get bitten, it's fine. You go on antibiotics, it, it'll be it'll be an, a non-issue. But if you don't address it, uh, these things have long-lasting effects, and there is no particular cure. So anyway, more importantly, I had a blast diving around in the bushes. It just came with friends. So, uh, speaking, speaking of, of friends, friends <laughs> see, that is, a, that's what you call a seamless transition. Yeah. So speaking of friends, we would like to thank our patrons who are joined us on patreon.com slash K and M, uh, to help support our show, this show and our other show, our Star Trek shows. We have, uh, a Deep Space Nine review show. We have a, we have look at my Star Trek toys where I show Mike, my Star Trek action figures, uh, on there, Mike, what's on the Patreon that would incentivize you to support us? Well, our patrons are staring at our ugly faces right now as mm. we post the uh, VOD of this uh, show of us watching the practice on there, uh, as well as myself watching Deep Space Nine episode by episode and commenting to myself <clears throat> and tickling in glee as I fall in love with the show despite myself. Because I wanted to prove Keith wrong, but he was right. Gee, damn it. Mm. And also, we got some other stuff. We put a, an Ask Me Anything up there where we had a really kind of enlightening conversation about what we do and why we do it. Uh, and some other fun stuff about Keith's uh, fam familial uh, relation to the Star Trek universe. Uh, this week, we're going to be posting a fun little watch-along. Or this week, next month, some pretty soon, we're going to be posting a watch-along of us watching a, a pretty cool episode of... Uh, the next generation, and we've got some other fun stuff we're going to watch together. I think maybe a, maybe an episode of, of the Ghostbusters animated series we talked about. Maybe a quant. We were gonna we're gonna just flirt with a lot of different content just for those people who who help us out and support the channel. And also, we uh, take your questions and all kinds of stuff. It's it's gonna grow. Uh, we thank you who have who've jumped on, and those of you who have jumped off very quickly. <laughs> all of you, <laughs> we appreciate one way or the other. Including CloudLover69, CloudLover69, Jorge Navoa, Alan Zipperman, Brian Kaufman, and for a hot second, gaming account. 
So uh, he's going to be back. Anyway, he or she will be back. I think it was. I, I believe so. They're going to they're going to come back anyway. That's patreon.com slash K and spell out the and M patreon.com slash K. And it's in the show M, notes. It's in the show notes on your phone right this very minute. Uh, but let us go to uh, a new segment because a new old segment because uh, folks, we got a, we, we got challenged here on a segment we call. Mike, take it away. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, we have a new friend, uh, uh, Matt, Mateus. Matt, well, he signs his name Matt. So, Matt, thanks for writing in. Matt has been with us for a while, it seems, and uh, maybe one of the reasons that we have an international, uh, mm. <clears throat> more national hit, international hit, Keith. Yes, I I think it's an, you know, if you uh if you go down, if you dig down so far into the subcategories, perhaps this one person has made us stars. Uh, anyway, in South uh, America. Anyhow, uh Matt writes in because Keith and I, if you've been listening along, have been critical not just of this season of the practice, but of this season's breakout star <clears throat> Alan Shore, I do apologize for the throat clearing. It's going to be with us for weeks. I just apologize. Uh, so Matt writes in, and we're thankful he does because he has a counterpoint to yes. all of the things we've been spewing, and I shall now read it in its entirety. In fact, he wrote us up twice, so just sit back, buckle up, grab a Shasta, and let's listen. Um, grab a Shasta? <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. Uh, so so are, are you imagining that people have like an emergency cooler of Shasta next to their yeah. phone in case like Phoenix sends a message? Yeah, they're like, oh, they're, go they're, they're going filing a subpoena. Get that Shasta out. <laughs> Matt writes in, it's amazing how different opinions we have about the final season of The Practice. Mm. You guys hate Alan Shore. I love him. For you, an unnecessary, grotesque character. For me, the guy who saved the series. So vital, funny, and even with redeeming qualities. Alan Shore is the best lawyer in the firm. He does everything for his clients, even illegal and immoral things. He fights fire with fire. He doesn't joke, what? Or pretend to be the most right or the most dignified. Eugene and Jimmy just act like their pasts don't even exist, as if the law firm they've been dedicated for so many years hasn't done similar shit in the, like Alan does. I, I added that. Uh, they are shocked by the people Alan gets involved with, as if his clients are just innocent, as if their clients are just innocent saints. <clears throat> okay, he puts a spoiler warning, but I don't, I don't think it is. Alan will be shocked that he defended a culprit, someone dear who lied to him. It's not all about money, you see. Alan was also a great colleague. He saved Jamie from having her career ended early. He helped a client with mental problems. He helped a colleague with mental problem. Alan cares. And he brings money to the firm. The others, not so much. Well, I'd contest with that, but we'll get there. Obviously, there comes a time of saturation, and there will be a clash where no one will come out unscathed, but we will only have one winner. But even if defeat is po even if even in defeat, it is possible to win. Fall up, as we say in Portuguese. And finally, getting what he's wanted for years, especially during the last season, blah, 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 blah. He's talked some stuff. Um, I don't. I don't want to read too much into that. It seems like stuff. So looking forward to the next episodes. Hold tight and accept. Alan is the best, and the best of him is yet to come. But he still doesn't have a right-hand man, an experienced companion. But he will. 
And I will be delighted to listen to all of your Boston legal rants and diatribes along the years. All right? Thanks, yes. Matt. <laughs> As we listen to Mike try to edit spoilers in his own head real yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. I, those are all well-made points, right? And and I think that uh, that's all true. I think certainly our folks in the firm don't have, uh, a, you know, they shouldn't be throwing stones uh, in glass houses as quite as hard as they are. Um, and yes, Alan does help, right? He really does fight and help for his clients, and he does have compassion. He does try to help people, and and, and that is all very true. He also does a whole bunch of despicable and weirdly unnecessary things, and so I I think I think in the end, reading this, I'm like, I think we're both right. Yeah, I, and I, I, I think I'll, it's I'll, all of the above. I think what Matt says that I that I think is is one of the more interesting points about Alan and I it's what what I find unfortunate is that we're not really exploring it like it it comes up more in these conversations than it really does on the show it's explored and that is that really the whole first 7 seasons of this of the show were our firm or the or the defense attorneys constantly battling with the idea of we're supposed to be doing <clears throat> everything we can for our client but we're bound by these sort of moral lines within the justice mm -hmm. system that are constantly being bent on both sides. So are we really aspiring to anything if the lines are constantly bent? And if we're helping defend, you know, there's a lot of moral ambiguity, which is what we love about this show. Alan does not have that conflict, right? His conflicts no. are more personal. His he he's like, I'll bend what I'll break, bend and break all the rules. Our my only thing is to win, right? And so, or in some parts, get some sort of weird, like, revenge satisfaction. Whatever whatever it is. But it's, yeah. he doesn't have that same moral conundrum that we've dealt with. And that's interesting if we would explore that, but that's not really what we're doing. Well, I, no, I really actually, I think that's that's, that's a good point. Because we've, we've grown tired of the endless hand-wringing <laughs> about, like, the job that we do and so on and so forth. And uh, Alan doesn't have that, as you pointed out, which I think is refreshing. Um, I... I I'm just wanting the character to be okay. Two things. I would like the character to be written more consistently, mm -hmm. right? We can go anywhere. We can do anything. Um, just be a little bit more consistent in the writing. And I would like the character to be offensive, not the writing. And I think that that is, uh, where it's getting it's getting pretty blurry because the writing becomes offensive when the character is doing offensive things without an acknowledgement of it at least or a or or uh some sort of it seems like from Ooh. the standpoint from the from the point of view of the writing of the show it's like ooh what fun how cheeky when he's doing like genuinely offensive things not He's doing genuinely offensive things, and the writer's perspective is this is genuinely offensive, um, and I think that's just that's that's where it's at. Anyway, so Matt continues uh, because you wrote said, "Hey, can we read this?" And he's like, "Yeah," and here's some more, and I'm excited to read it. He says, "Good morning," uh, but of course, uh, read it. I must confess, the practice was unglamorous on cable TV in my home country. Nobody gave a shit. And I didn't watch it much, only getting interested with the arrival of Spader on the show. But at the time, I didn't want to continue watching it thoroughly. 
There were better things to watch. Sopranos, West Wing, House, 24. Fair. With Spader kicking it on Blacklist, I decided to get to know his career and discovered Boston Legal. Imagine my surprise when I realized he was playing the same character. The same character. Boston Legal was extremely exaggerated and, re and ridiculous at moments, but it's a series that knows it's raison d'etre, a comedy with a hint of seriousness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe that's the problem with the last season of The Practice. Alan Shore feels like a flawed Ally McBeal character, my wife loved it, I hated it, who was also destined to fail in The Practice. He needed a show with his atmosphere, and that show would be Boston Legal. Uh, and interestingly enough, Alan would be the best lawyer on both shows. Uh, he has more to say, but I actually, I was literally saying this yesterday. Yeah. Um, that I think... My my theory on on this, on the Alan Shore character in the final season, and the thing that we're butting up against with this season, is David E. Kelly was writing Ally McBeal and the practice at the same time for a long time. <clears throat> Ally McBeal flamed out, right, and was canceled by this point. And I think David E. Kelly was like sitting there thinking, you know, Ally McBeal was a lot more fun to write. Yeah. than the practice and so he started writing Allie McBeal's tone into the practice which is what we're really bumping against is the tonal shift because the practice I, I understanding they had crossovers lived in a very different world than Allie McBeal and I think that's we're just not liking it which is why his solution to transfer over to Boston Legal which had the, the tone that matched that I think was very successful Anyway, uh, so Matt continues, and the most likable cool character, that is Alan. You hate every moment of Tara and Alan, but from the first, there was an attraction, a glance between them. Other women also gave themselves to him. Clients adored him, respected him, and followed him, and all of this clearly bothered Eugene. His ridiculous emotional attack scene against Alan reunited with Eleanor and Jimmy. Uh, ugh, for all the ego for wanting what Alan had. Alan being the way he is, Eleanor and Jimmy faces realizing that Eugene's reaction wasn't just because Alan was dirty, immoral, blah, 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 blah. Interesting. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> what an asshole. Woo, just called Eugene an asshole. Woo. A guy wow. who would throw his fuck buddy to the lions. I am amazed that Jamie didn't feel anything for Alan. That would be funny, but he's not Jewish, though. Huh. <clears throat> okay. Interesting. Uh, There's a lot to unpack right, so there. There's a lot to unpack there, but I think we shouldn't unpack it till we see that scene. Oh, what is happening? Mike, what what is going now? Nobody is seeing this because nobody watches this part of it. Only our patrons can at patreon.com slash KM. But Mike is fiddling with his video. I'm I wasn't trying to fiddle. I was well, I was I was, obviously. All you do is fiddle with your video. Uh and okay, you, you've Oof. been flying. You have moved and resized your video maybe seven hundred times in the time that I've been Keith, speaking. Did I show you? That's there's my whole room. You can see. I, I see, see that. <clears throat> wow. Um, uh, uh, am I back no, now? I'm, I'm back. Okay. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. All so right, folks. We won't get there. Although well, I will say that it, you know, it just goes to show, Keith, that, uh, you know, no. Mike, stop, stop. Cam's you, you, off. You never know, right? Like what we, we think is so ubiquitous about our opinion, it, it isn't. 
<laughs> oh, I, I never find my opinion ubiquitous. That's for sure. Anyway. I'm always surprised when I'm not the only one. Matt, we uh we appreciate you watching along. Yeah, thank Can you so much. Keep the takes coming, man. We appreciate it. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, uh, let us continue moving forward into our our first our first did he regular call segment. Eugene, did he call Alan Eugene's fuck buddy? Uh, no, I believe he called Jamie Eugene's fuck buddy. Oh, well, that's fair. Fair. All right. Uh, let us hop back into the time machine. Machine, shall we? And uh, talk about the practice season eight, episode thirteen, which aired on January twenty fifth, the year two thousand and four. Uh, Mike, what were you up to this day in the basement? Yeah, well, you know, there was a thing we used to do, Keith, which I was just talking about the other day. <clears throat> you know, we were on this this bus, and we would have to sleep. And what I remember is that we, we, well, well, we hold devised... On. You, have, you have to rack the story. We were on tour with the National Tour Yes, we tour were on tour Titanic. with Titanic, for those of you who don't know. It wasn't truck, yeah. And uh, we would get to hotels, but we did a lot of driving overnight, or like late in the oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so we devised this system, which we thought was really clever, and I guess in some ways it was. So you would alternate with a buddy, right? Here's how it would work. One night you'd get to sleep across the bus seats, right? So you put your head like by the window and then like your feet would dangle over the gap and they Mm -hmm. would rest on the other seat and you'd have a pillow and blanket and you'd sleep. Now, the people who didn't draw that straw or on an alternate night would actually be on the floor beneath you. So, but like between the seat and the next seat and then across Mm -hmm. the aisle. And so you had just like, you had basically hurdles of people sleeping above and people sleeping below. And so if you like got off at a gas station and got yourself some chips and a pop, <clears throat> a Shasta perhaps, a Shasta, you'd have yeah. to like navigate like an army gauntlet to like hop over this person, this person sleep over that person. Mm. But we thought this was a really ingenious system. The problem was <clears throat> if you were one of the blokes on the floor mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the bus driver careened off the road or something and you were jostled from your sleep or maybe you just hit a bump or some roadkill, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you'd pop up and either hit your head on a metal bar or maybe someone's ass. So or, it was- Or someone's business, yeah. yeah it was, uh, it was a, it it wasn't hygienic. It wasn't clean, which are the same mm. eh, synonyms. It was not particularly comfortable, but uh, we we struggled for our art, Keith. We sure did, and next week we've got some amazing, uh, because I actually have not only our our itinerary, I have our actual, like, breakdown day by day, which which hotels we were in, the drive time, the show times, I I have, like, the actual thing. So allow me to uh, hit you up with what we did this week. Um, so we were just finishing up in Georgia and, uh, we took a four, we took a five hour drive to supply North Carolina on the 23rd. It is indeed where we performed at the Odell Williamson auditorium. We, uh, we did that. We packed right up and we, uh, we drove four hours to UNC in Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina and performed uh, that night on the uh, 24th. That's called a one nighter where we have uh, back-to-back shows in different cities. But what did we do then? We took another bus 
And we went <clears> to <throat> Yanceville, North Carolina, and performed the third night in a row in three different theaters at the Caswell County Civic Center on the 25th. Did we get uh, the next day off, the 26th? Was it a golden day? The Well, I'll tell you exactly what the 26th was. On the 26th, we had a travel day in which <laughs> you're going to, I think this is the one hotel I remember. Uh, we were traveling from uh, Danville, Virginia uh, to Yanceville. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're staying in Virginia. All right. So we, were, we, we did a show in Yanceville, North Carolina. The following day, we got up and drove 9.75 hours to arrive in Bruton, Alabama. Ah, uh, Bruton. Bruton. To the Bruton Motor Inn. Uh, do you remember the Bruton Motor Inn and that whole fiasco? Uh, we Didn't we have to, like, leave? We sure did. We're going to tell the story next week okay. because it <clears throat> takes place next week. But uh, we didn't. I, I, we weren't there very long at all. There was like mold on the walls and shit. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, don't. No okay. spoilers, man. <clears throat> it's no all coming spoilers. back to me now. Yeah. I would. I would just like to point out. Uh, well, just let, for don't the... forget, folks. Stay tuned because that's mm-hmm. an innocuous story compared to there is a near fit. There will be amongst the stories a near fist fight. In a Zippo lighter museum. Ooh, I don't remember. Were you not that a part one. of that? That was one of our later. That was in Pennsylvania, towards the end, back end of the tour. No, no, I don't remember that. I don't think I was there. It was almost uh, a part of my first uh, hate crime. Oh well, wasn't that outside the the karaoke bar, which was next door to the Zippo lighter museum? Oh, okay, all right. Now I remember. All right, I just like to point out, just for those playing on the map, right. We start in North Carolina, then we go down to Florida, right? Then we go over to Georgia. That makes sense. It's just neighboring states. Then we uh, we go back up. We go to South Carolina, then North Carolina, then ten hours back down to Alabama. Uh, I I don't I I I don't know if you that book necessarily. Them you book uh, them, buddy. You book you, them. Oh, I can't boy. imagine that uh, Titanic, the middle, the the mini musical, is really what uh, sell into these cities. So you take it where you can get it. Uh, I will <laughs> say this though, when I was driving up for the proposal, what did I pop on in the uh, in the car? I put I popped on the Titanic cast album because I hadn't heard that maybe since we did it. It was. Uh, I still have the uh, karaoke of tracks memories. of our of that tour. Everybody does. We're going to explain what that means later, because we're already 30 minutes into this podcast, and it is time to talk about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Well, folks, we were still listening to the beautiful piano ballad hey ya from outcast and uh is that hey ya it sure is all right ready the uh oh right yeah yeah totally totally the cover of the brilliant free press talked about dean makes his final push uh here we are in january in the primaries all the way that far uh this was, uh, I forgot exactly when the Dean's scream was, but it happened to be pretty soon. Oh, I'm going to look it up. So, uh, the top movie was Mike. Oh, 
Oh, we were watching Ashton Kutcher rippling the small ripples into the butterfly effect that would lead him to Mina Kunis. Yes, indeed. The Dean scream happened on January 19th. It was this week. So, oh yeah, so this was after the Dean scream. This was six days after the Dean scream. Wow. Uh, Nobody anyway, thought that Butter couldn't possibly affect him in the polls, Keith. Yeah, yeah, oh, Jesus. So, uh, Butterfly Effect, a guilty pleasure of mine. Never saw it. Anyway, you want to, really? No. I think it might be a guilty pleasure of yours. I think you'd enjoy it. All right, you want to know what is my not guilty pleasure? It's time, it's time, time. time. It's time for sports. In the week before the Super Bowl, the NHL was plowing through the 03-04 season. The Flyers beat the Caps 4-1, including goals from McLaren Recchi, Fedorik and Brashear both fought for Philly. Meanwhile, the Bruins tied the aisles at Nassau Coliseum 2-2. The only penalty was from Aaron Asham closing his hands on the puck. There was. I, I thought I had too much, but then I, uh, I I talked too fast, and then I had more music than usual. You're a pro. Uh, <clears throat> truly, truly professional. I'm a human being. <laughs> God damn it. My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's, it's time, time to talk about the damn episode. Well, this episode entitled Going Home was written by David E. Kelly, and directed by Michael Zinberg, who last directed Goodbye, which is uh, apropos because this is our Goodbye episode <clears throat> for series director Michael Zinberg, which uh, leaves us with only one more important game that's never been funny yet, but maybe it will be this week. Uh, hope springs eternal. Okay, so I need a character. Uh, well, let's go with, uh, G fuck buddy, Jamie Stringer. <clears throat> okay. And now I need a location. Uh, how about, uh, the, the Butte Motor Lodge, or what was it called? Bruton. The Bruton Motor Lodge. Motor, <laughs> inside joke, that'll be funny for us. Uh, now I need a relationship. Um, oh no, well, the fuck buddy. So we'll just go with Jamie Stringer and then this will be fuck buddy. <clears throat> okay. That's not gonna play well. Uh, all <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm putting in here, Mike said this. <laughs> all right, uh, now yeah, I need, I need a crime you do to someone. Um, Grand Theft Shasta. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or like, you can word that however is necessary. They stole the Shasta. <clears throat> right, right, right. Okay. All right. Well, it is. Uh, it's time for us to watch. Going home. I'm actually excited about this one. Uh, are you? Yeah. Okay. Well, then me too. If you are. I am. Yeah, and folks, I apologize in advance. We're going to do a lot of interrupting to introduce folks. Ladies and germs, please allow us to welcome you to Season 8, Episode 13, Going Home. 
Oh, starting with a puke. Hey! Oh my Mc god, it's McDreamy! McDreamy! Okay! Before we give him a chance, uh, we have to introduce Patrick Dempsey! Here yeah, is do. the puker, and we see a horribly mutilated body in front of him. Uh, Patrick Dempsey, of course, played uh, McDreamy for 247 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. He is an Emmy nominee for Once and Again. He was also in Can't Buy Me Love, Enchanted, Transformers, Dark of the Moon, and I didn't know this existed, a Fast Times at Ridgemont High TV show. Oh. You know what they say, Keith. Mm. You can't buy me love unless you're McDreamy, in which case you don't need to. <gasps> oh, shit. He's dressed the like a theater and act, uh, on acting director uh, teacher. And his he's got a cabaret in The woman he lives with has been clobbered to death. He's listening to uh, right wing media. Nobody hates the U.S. military. Bottom line is, liberals in this country want to pursue their big government socialist policies. So is he a socialist? He's stumbling out of the house. Does think to bring his coat. Goes outside. It's nippy out. Gets into his car and drives off. Out of the bushes comes a little chihuahua that looks like ours. Michael, look at your screen. Hey! Oh my god, it's Betty White! Folks! Thank you for killing my friend. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Well, well done. I, I'm glad you had that ready to go because Betty White is here. From uh, David E. Kelly's series or movie Lake Placid, she has twenty Emmy nominations and five wins, of course, for Golden Girls, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Hot in Cleveland, and her first job was an extra on a short called Time to Kill in 1945. Interesting. I'm here for the interesting stuff, Mike. A retreat picking up. Yes, the company outing. Where we all get to know our inner selves. He wasn't fired. Do people ever get to your core, Jimmy? Or do they stop short at the mantle? Did you hear that? Fat joke. I mean, actually being quite serious here. We all work too yeah, hard. How about Tahiti? Alan. Paul Stewart. He says it's an emergency. Paul? Alan. I need you to get down to my office now. Did I miss a checkup? I've got an emergency. I have detectives in my waiting room. I need you to get down here. You need to come through my private entrance so they don't see you. Hurry, Alan. Okay. I'm in trouble. Old friends, they be murdering. So my doctor killed his wife and Rose Nyland witnessed. This is an episode. <clears throat> yes. Alan. What is going on? Come in, please. Well, my wife's dead. They're and still waiting out there. In a second, got her. They're about to just. I'll be out in a second. Just tell them I'm finishing a procedure. 
Hold on, we need to introduce receptionist of Dr. McDreamy. Michael, you have to participate. You have to participate in the bumper. You can't bail <laughs> on the bumper, but I am glad you do have a cough button now. That's good news. Uh, but anyway, Mike's gonna participate in the rest of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a lot, and Mike's gonna have to do it every time. Nurse Dreamy. Uh, the receptionist is played by Karis Campbell, who uh did an episode of Boston Public. But uh, Michael, you just watched The West Wing, yeah? Uh, well, up through up into season four. Oh, well then you don't know her as Rana from The West Wing. I do Ron, Ron, Ron. I do Ron, Rana. What? I've been having an affair. <laughs> Brenda Wilbur, who I believe you know. Brenda Wilbur. <clears throat> yes. I've been wanting to have an affair with Brenda Wilbur. Can you shut up? Can you just shut up, please? Thank you. She's dead. What? Somebody bludgeoned her or something. I saw the body. I was there last night. I walked in. Oh, it's slow down. I can't slow down. The police were out there. I was there. I had made love to her earlier, and now they're here to ask me questions. Okay. Let's... Do I talk to the police now? Do I tell them I was there? What should I do? They're coming. Just get out. What do I do? It's gonna look suspicious if I have a lawyer. How do I even explain you being here? He said he'd be right out. He's in hour. a procedure. We don't have time for this. So you this keep is staying. gonna be a psych gag. I'm sorry, doctor, but this is urgent. Would you give me 10 more seconds for God's sake? This patient oh, can sue me. He's a lawyer. Do you know him as Brenda Wilbur? The chair. Why? This needs to be a private conversation. You need doctor. to go That'd back out quite there Quite clever and, and quick thinking. Now, Keith, deep uh -huh. cut here. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite episodes of the golden girls uh -huh. is an episode in which <laughs> played completely as a joke and then it becomes serious rose nyland has an issue where she keeps going to the dentist because she's having a root canal and her mm -hmm. dentist gives her funny gas and then gropes her repeatedly oh, jesus and then it becomes a whole thing about sexual harassment um yeah uh, funny uh, ties to Alan's behavior and this episode that yes, and a previous storyline we've had on the practice. Uh, well, we're at it. Uh, you know what? I wasn't gonna play the bumper because I get tired of this bumper, but uh, tough nuts. Uh, Mike has to participate this time in lead detective in the scene. Guy who has to arrest someone at two thirty. See, this is the glory we have been missing <laughs> when you don't participate in the bumper. Ouch. All right, Ooh, so the detective sucks. who just barged in is played by Michael Riley Burke, uh, who played Ted Bundy in the uh, Ted Bundy movie. He was also in The Collector, Mars Attacks, and he was Goval in Next Generation, Koss in three episodes of Enterprise, and he played Hogue on the DS9 episode, Profit and Loss. Mike, you haven't seen it yet, but you will. No. Unnecessary right, Star right, Trek right. reference. All right, he's going to get to the root canal of this. What about Brenda? Oh. She's dead. Do you know her? Look at this acting. What do you mean she's dead? She was killed. Look, we really need to have this discussion in private. I need to ask you some things. Hold on. Sorry, <laughs> but as a lawyer, I get suspicious when detectives barge in asking questions about dead people. 
This doesn't involve you, sir. Actually, it involves me more than you could ever imagine. I'm not only this man's friend, I was a friend of Brenda Wilbur's. How did she die? Head trauma. Your car was seen parked outside her place yesterday afternoon. Wait a second. Are you questioning this man as if he were a suspect? Certainly not. We Paul, when a detective says certainly not, you sir. should be certain it's Alan Shore. I'm sure my client would love to cooperate, but not before I get a little more information. I don't mind talking, Alan. But I do mind, Paul. See, this is great, Alan. This is no, it, it, it's <clears throat> Alan clever. Best. It's smart. He's lying in service of his client, but in a very like, it all tracks. It's clever. It's interesting. I like it. Yeah, they this, got a good. Little, I like this, uh, Alan. Yes, and going. Yeah, I know you have his best interests at heart, <clears throat> just the same, Mister Shore. He's not talking. Perhaps you'd like to. You've said nothing so far. I think he did it. Look, counsel, this is how it's going to go. He's either going to talk to us here, or we're going to take him into custody and walk him right out that front door. This is a small town. This man's family has quite a legacy in this small town. I don't think he wants to be seen handcuffed in connection to the murder of a woman that he had a mysterious relationship with. Do you? My God, you're Kevin McCarley. Alan Shore. We went to middle school together. How are you? Look at you. Wow. You're still the same pain in the ass you were then. Take it. Shay. Alan. Just a second. I love that the extra... Let me tell you, I have a terrible idea. We don't know what he knows. He is going to arrest me. Look at me. First of all, try not to look so much like a suspect. Can you put something other than panic on your face? You were having an affair with the victim. You were witnessed at the scene. Dodging arrest isn't the goal here. It's about preventing a conviction. A conviction? You cannot give any statement to the police. If there's a reason for that little jingle, what you say can and will be used against you. <clears throat> Wendy, what about the kids? I'll go talk to them. In the meantime, you talk to nobody. I cannot believe this is... <clears throat> Look, if I have to arrest him right here, I will. Shouldn't you first do that other thing that police do? What's the word? Investigate. Maybe I should bring you in on aiding and abetting. Kevin, it's me, Alan. We played on the same soccer team. We've showered together. You had a very small penis then, has it? Take him. Say nothing. I mean, I like some Alan. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, did we Miranda? If it's a season, is that not done in Dedham? It's the season. <laughs> I don't want the like full meat, Alan. I just want like the salt and pepper. Do they plan to? Yeah. I don't know. May just be about coursing a statement. Where are you now? At the scene. I figure I'll just try and see whatever I can. All right. Oh, Come on, Betty. Betty get a line. I feel like Betty might get a line. Betty White. You again? What are you doing here? I thought you were with my client. We're giving him time to think about cooperating. I'm happy to advise him to cooperate. But I gotta have some idea what we're dealing with here. I'd like to view the scene. View the scene? Why not? Because we don't give tours to civilians. I'm not gonna contaminate the crime. We haven't even positively ID. You want my guy to cooperate? I can ID her. As I told you, I knew Brenda Wilbur. She's been ID'd. Listen, you wanna talk to Paul Stewart. I wanna let him talk to you. Let me just... Get a glimpse of what we're dealing with here first. Help me help you. You don't want me saying in court you refuse to let me see the crime scene. Mm. Mm. 
Keith, I was this days old when I realized that my magical mute button mutes uh -huh. me to you. <laughs> Not to the recording. So, uh, to all of those listening, I would like to apologize. Because <laughs> I was coughing without abandon, thinking that uh -huh. I had been muted, and I realize now that that was... Definitely not the case. So uh, my deepest apologies. I'll try to. I'll try to fix that. Well, I don't <laughs> listen to the episodes uh, generally, but I I know for sure I won't listen to this one. <laughs> but but I know my wife does. Sorry, honey. <laughs> Yikes. She uh, was found back then. Yes. I knew this woman. You okay? Uh, yeah. Get get him off! Get him off! What's he doing? He just, he just fainted on top of the body. You fainted. Shh. Please, don't make fun of me, Eugene. I wasn't prepared for what I saw. Right on the dead body? I'm asking you for advice, not ridicule. Do I let the man speak or not? Not if he's a suspect. But assuming he's innocent. We never assume. I've known him since childhood. He's uh, It's the childhood friends you can never trust. Alan. So, Victoria. My what's question as I'm watching this the first time Victoria, is like, this is Eugene Young. Hello. Did, what's being done? At this was point, that a, a, is there a place for privacy? Was that a faint? Yes. Or a faint? Excuse us. Like, it's hard to was say. Was that on purpose? Yet. Yeah. My guess would be yes. <clears throat> but I certainly knowing knowing Alan thus far, yeah, I'd be like, of course it, of course it's a faint, a, a faint, faint, faint. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is great, great audio. I'm coughing all over the place. We're, we're so good at this. Oh, man, we're so good. They can place him at the scene several hours before. I'm assuming they can establish. The affair? Paul told me about it. Really? I would think his mother would be the last person that he'd want. What else has he told oh. you? Mike, I think you're going to have to do it. You were extorted. Was that what? Do you, do you Paul, care to pause the episode, you, you sir? I'm trying. Now, all the hockeys you... are messed up now. What's going on? Uh, could, for your, for your non-working cough button, you had to change no, all the No, now it mutes it for the episode and not you. Uh, okay, that's fine. Um, uh, let me go back a minute. Let me go back a half second. Yeah, yeah, go back because this is kind of important because we have a, this is an important person that we are introducing. Person that and that want. is, uh, of course, what else has he Jill Clayburn. Who is she? She's playing McDreamy's mother, and uh, you were extorted. Pa pause it again because I'm going to do the thing. Okay. She has two Oscar nominees nominations mm -hmm. uh for starting over and an unmarried woman she has two emmy nominations 
for Nip Tuck and Hustling. She's also in Bridesmaids, Running with Scissors, four episodes of Adam McBeal, and has hosted Saturday Night Live twice. Sheesh. Yeah. Mike, who's that? I don't care. She's got weird leather gloves on, which seems suspicious. Paul, if I'm going to help you, you need to share with me at least as much as you tell your mother. Brenda contacted a lawyer who... Tried to shake you down? It was veiled. I confronted her over it. She apologized, admitted it was a stupid idea. It was no longer an issue. No longer an issue? It transpired a week before her head was pounded to mulch. It wasn't a coercive quid pro quo. But you perceived it as extortion, and she's currently dead. Okay. Attorneys are divided over whether this next question should ever be posed to a client. But as a childhood friend who grew up with you, did you commit this crime? For a childhood friend to have to ask me? The answer is no, I did not. Hello. Hello. Are you his lawyer? Sorry? Paul Stewart, are you his lawyer? Here's Mrs. Betty. Piper, Alan Shore. I grew up here in Dedham, just three streets over from you. Well, you used to trick-or-treat at my house. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> ah. Ah. You once lit a paper bag on my porch. It was full of dog crap. I she just stopped it out and got stool on my fleece poop. slippers. <laughs> It never came out. You were a crazy old bitch then. I can see nobody's adjusted your medication. Funny you should mention that. This new Medicare package is going to strap me. I need money, Alan. So much so, I sometimes see it in my dreams. In fact, I see it almost everywhere. Uh, I especially saw it at 10.30 last night when I saw Paul Stewart coming out of Brenda's house. I refer, of course, to dead Brenda. The slut all you boys wanted to screw in high school. Amazing. Many of you went on to do it, I'm sure. <clears throat> I have yet to go to the police. Tell Victoria, if she pays me $1.3 million, I won't put her precious little baby in jail. And pick up your dog and exit. That's how you do a scene. With a smile, by the way. I told you I went back. I understand. But the police couldn't place you there at night, only during the afternoon. <clears throat> this is much more damaging, Paul, to have you spotted leaving at 1030. I'm not suggesting that we pay her off, are you? No. But things aren't getting any better. We've got to prepare ourselves. I'm sorry, this is a lawyer-client meeting. Nothing personal. I thought you'd like to know that we're officially charging your client with the murder of Brenda Wilbur. He'll be arraigned tomorrow in Denham Superior Court.
there's nothing I can really say at this point other than you'll get through this. Did you know? This is McDreamy's wife and children. Her? No. I haven't really kept in touch with Paul the last few years. You and me both. Good one. Melissa. Michael. When you were very young, I told you a story about my first day at kindergarten. You probably don't remember. I was so scared to the point of tears. And this little boy I didn't even know came up to me and took a hold of my hand and told me everything would be okay. Your dad has held onto my hand through much of our childhood. He was then, as he remains today, the most compassionate, gentle person I know. He did not commit this crime. He did not commit this crime. Okay, we'll see you then. Very confident. He's still out in Dedham. He'll be here in the morning, and then he's going back to Dedham for the arraignment. This was really his best friend? Evidently. He doesn't seem the type. Sorry? Alan, to have a best friend. Eugene, a lot of values may have passed him by, but friendship and the loyalty that goes along with it, he lives by that. I like that look for Cameron. Yep. Alan's sitting alone in the courtroom. A new courtroom we haven't been in because it's not uh, in Boston. Here you are. May I ask why? Just thought I'd get a look at the room, see if it's It's McDreamy's mom. What are you doing here? Will he be granted bail? Well, he's a trusted lifelong member of the community, which is family half-built. Strong roots, doctor, poses no threat to society. That and a million dollars should get him bail. I'm going to be candid. There's a switch. However accomplished you are as a civil attorney, your criminal experience, would I be wise to look for another lawyer, Alan? Please do not be offended. Victoria, you will micromanage whoever tries this case. Best to go with someone who won't be thrown by your interference. And if you don't like what I'm doing, you can always pull down my pants like old times and give me a spank. As I remember, you liked that. Did he sleep with his friend's mom? Uh, 
uh, certainly seems like it might have been possible. Did he do this? You know, Paul. He asked after making that speech to his he kids. He could never be capable of bludgeoning the life out of a human being. People change. This has the hallmarks of he did it. <laughs> if you only knew what I've become. When you were 16, you slept with your best friend's mother. Okay. How have you changed, Alan? So, <clears throat> it, I'll, I'll spare you the rant, but uh, that's, that's statutory rape. I'd like to have Eleanor join me. Tara, too. That should be enough for Yeah, but it... I'm... <clears throat> uh, not condoning said behavior, of course, but it would give another wrinkle of clarity and oh, for sure, grounding no, I, to his I, sort of psychopathy. No, I, I no, I, you know, in terms of a story element, there, I think it, I think it's very interesting, and it does speak to sort of the things that made Alan Alan. You know, I don't know if the show is going to treat it as as serious as it as it is um because i in the shows are like oh well you know look at that saucy boy as opposed to like oh he got technically legally raped but uh anyway i, I do think it's a very interesting beat for for alan there now as we get closer to trial we may need to add more i know i can't monopolize the whole firm can he pay for all this his mother can. This is a check for 750 as retainer. I told her it'll likely go higher. 750,000? We should obviously hire a private investigator immediately. Since you used to be a PI, Eugene, it would be great if you were able to oversee that end of it. Jimmy, did you used to be anything? When's the arraignment? What an asshole. Jamie, maybe you should head up the legal research. We may be filing various motions in limine. I would the like to get to the bottom of that. Like, why is he's people. not just ribbing him? Like, why personally? Is he I'm sure it's good. Like hating Jimmy. We should get going. It's a schlep to dead him. That's a good question. Can I make one observation? Certainly. You seem nervous. Eleanor has criminal experience. Maybe she should first chair. Yeah, you think? I'm fine. Shall we? The arraignment itself figures to be short, basically a reading of the charges, possibly the setting up a trial date. What we know about the defense attorney, his name is Alan Shore, a prominent civil attorney, primarily known for his antitrust work. We're hearing now that he grew up with a defendant, that they in fact were childhood friends. That one with a mini cassette recorder. Commonwealth versus Paul Stewart, charging one count in violation of general laws, chapter 265, subsection one. Murder in the first degree. Hey! It's Ed Asner! It is indeed Ed Asner as the judge in this case. Uh, Mike, do you do you do you have a, a tingle in the back of your uh, of your spine when you see Ed Asner? Uh, I don't know that it, I hear. I feel a tingle, but I feel monumental respect. No one taught me eyebrow acting like 
like Ed 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 Asner. Ed Asner's on that list. Eugene Levy, but uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, folks, we've seen what? Ed Asner before on the practice as a judge, Ooh. but a different judge. <laughs> Supposed to notice that you've been on the show before, but now you get twist the residuals arriving at your door. Come on, so come welcome on. back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize yeah. I saw you in season two and you met your demise. Had a fortune. First you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a go to you, maybe fooling someone dimmer, but you don't fool me. We don't hear the judge, but you just might be welcome back, back to back the practice tonight. I mean, it's Ed Asner. Get down! Yeah. You people will have to calm yourselves this very instant. Let me tell you, members of the media, I don't have much use for the media. I let the media in only so you can get your pictures and be done with it. Now I can be done with you. I won't have the media spew their toxic waste in my room. He feels opinionated, Keith. You think? Mr. Shore. About the media? I understand you have waived a formal reading of the charges. That's correct, Your Honor. I'd also like to enter my appearance along with Miss Eleanor Frutz at this time. So noted. Is there a question of bail? Uh, yes, Your Honor. The Commonwealth opposes bail. Dr. Stewart has no prior record, Your Honor. He's never even been charged with a crime. Well, he sure picked a butte to start out with, didn't he? He poses neither a safety nor flight risk. He has extremely strong roots in the community. How many times you appeared before me, Mr. Shore? Why? Does it get old? Is that an insult? Sounds like he may have insulted me. Read that back. Why does it get old? Objection to the reading, Judge. It lacked nuance. Read that back. Objection to the reading, Judge. It lacked nuance. Renew my objection, Judge. The reporter is flat. Tonally. He sounds like a smart ass. Is he an ass? Your Honor, my client poses no danger. He's not going anywhere. Oh, he's an ass. Two million. Yeah. Cash. We'll conference on Wednesday at 10 o'clock to set our schedules. We're adjourned. <laughs> now, this is a multi-parter, right? Uh, it's got to be. They so rarely start Ave Maria in the middle like that. Alan is taking pictures of the sign-in book at the funeral. It's my new sneeze button, Keith. Nice. We, of course, will have a formal memorial service soon to be scheduled. But considering the enormity of this tragedy, many of you wanted to convene today, and I support that. Brenda Wilbur was a beloved member of this community, a lifelong resident. And it's at times like these that we, as a community, come together. The first thing we need to discuss is venue. 
Is Dedham the best place for this trial? Why wouldn't it be? Well, everybody here knows your son. That's a good thing, Eleanor. His reputation is impeccable. It can't be impeccable, Alan. He had an affair. They know him to be gentle, caring, and capable. And the other potential problem is that everybody here seems to know you. Meaning? You're not the most upstanding citizen on the Eastern Seaboard. My life of indiscretion started after I left Adam. The trial will be here. Everyone who knows Paul knows that he couldn't have committed that kind of violence. That has to inure to his benefit with the jury pool. Thirdly, when I was younger, just people a like to see the high and mighty fall. It's human nature. If anything, Paul comes off as meek. You know that, but you don't. Yeah, I don't mean to sound rude, but from my cursory check on the pulse of this town, the dislike of you runs deep. I'd hate for the jury to convict Paul to vicariously get back at. What's your name again? Eleanor. You're discharged, Eleanor. That's not a good idea, Victoria. I don't want her part of the defense team. Paul, this is your idea. defense. I'm not... paying for it. You want Eleanor. I won't pay for her. You're welcome to stay and observe, pro bono, but the sound of your voice, that, that would be a deal breaker. Mom. Now, I know what the people of Dedham respond to, Paul. That's how I built my fortune, and they will not respond to this... Eleanor. Wow. Awesome. You're discharged. May I speak to you in private? No. You can either leave with her or stay without her. I mean, it's pretty clear cut, right? I'll see you back at the office. Eleanor's like, I got paid either way. I'm a, I'm a partner. One of so. the best criminal defense Please. attorneys in this state just walked out that door. The only reason I don't walk out with her is because of Paul. That's nice. Let's turn to the most pressing matter, Catherine Piper. How are we arranging to pay her off? We aren't. Mom, that will come back If she to... testifies that she saw you leave the house at 10.30 in an agitated state... I cannot you know, this... She's awesome. bribe this witness. Al. She has two Oscar nominations. Who do you think you're nominated. kidding? Look, this woman... This is one of your most dear friends. Victoria. I'm not letting my only child go to prison. If you want to walk out now, do it. But Catherine Piper will not be testifying as to what she saw the night Brenda Wilbur was killed. Thank you for paying me off. I can see you found great success in holding your own with her. I don't want you committing any crimes on my behalf. I want to make that clear. Yes, you just didn't want to make it clear in front of your mother. She's still a force, what can I say? How about no? I mean, all of a sudden, Alan's the bastion of uh, morality? Hmm. Yeah, Alan would never pay some, oh wait. I don't mean to judge you. Yes, you do. We both make so much money in residuals.
Think about the residuals the two of those men. Well, even the blacklist is in syndication now. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for God and the men's room. Could you point me in the right direction? It's true. You're really back. All right, this priest is played by Taylor Still Nichols from Pen15, Chapter Quiddick, Godzilla unsure. 4. Our four characters on Murder, She Wrote, and uh, one of my favorite titles I've ever seen on IMDb. And uh, I don't know if I... Uh, I don't know if I can see it, but I want to. It's entitled Headless Body in a Topless Bar. Have you ever watched Pen15? I have not. Oh, it's good to see you. It's very good. I don't know what that means. Although not under these circumstances. It's very good. Oh. He's in terrible trouble, Tom. Are you going to be able to help him? I hope so. I haven't kept in constant touch the last few years. Am I missing anything? Is it possible? Paul? God, no. Of course not. You know, there are many people of who probably not. have That's what I would woman. say when people Which ask me I'm if you murdered anybody. Oh, thanks. Sorry? You were her priest. I'm assuming she practiced confession. Did she ever mention anything? I can't talk about anything said in confession. She's either. dead. The seal survives death. I think you know that. Paul's on trial for his life here. I didn't know that. If you know something that can help him. I can't break the confessional seal. That's convenient. Perhaps something you thought she said in confession. Something she actually said here, or just outside the confessional. You'd be able to share that, wouldn't you, Tom? This isn't about skirting a rule, Alan. I have an obligation to God. If you know anything you can share, Tom, now's the time. And I'm the person to share it with. It's good to see you again. You too. Oh, that priest knows something. Both Rule 13 and Rule 14. Make sure you get a bill of particulars and ask them for any evidence in their possession that supports any affirmative defense, be it insanity, intoxication, alibi, anything, Jamie. Right, make it as far-reaching as you can. Yeah, uh, I'll get back to you. Betty's Chihuahua is outside the house. Thank you. Alan, I believe you've met Catherine Piper. What is she doing here? Why, I'm here to suck on one of Victoria's shriveled nipples, of course. Is that why you're here, Alan? Or is it just to drop some dog crap off at the door? Victoria, I need to have a word with you now. It's nice seeing Would Alan get his us, lunch eight. Well, of course, honey. Definitely. You cannot do this. I've already made the deal. That woman is extremely unstable. She absolutely cannot be trusted. And if this ever gets out... If it gets out, we simply say she's lying. Or, like you say, she's unstable. This is so dangerous. What's dangerous 
would be her testimony. Victoria, this could bury your son in the end. You know, I've made my life trusting. This is Paul's life. You seem to keep forgetting that. You can stay. Or you can go. Is that confidence from her or hubris? It's got to be a combo. I thought I heard words. Were you two having words? You will also be available to testify that you saw Paul leave at 5 p.m. and that you saw neither him nor his car after that. Victoria, that would be perjury. The price goes up for perjury. You will do it for this price, Catherine. It must be awful to be at the mercy of one of the little people. Imagine, Victoria, if I passed you on the street, you wouldn't so much as make eye contact for fear of brushing with a commoner. And now I'm in your dining room, drinking from your china. And you have to look at me. Look at me, Victoria. This is what can happen to vicious, soulless people such as yourself. Little people lay in wait to screw you over. You walk around this town like you own it. And I suppose much of it you do. Well, I guess you don't own its people, do you? Don't be silly, Catherine. I'm buying you right now. And that'll be your legacy, won't it? Catherine Piper, for sale. Such a great... It's a good scene, though, the, I mean, the power dynamic. Mr. Shore, Mr. Shore, could you give us a brief statement or two about what's going on? He never pitches past seven. It was insane to let him return for the eighth, and everybody well, knew it. And it is equally insane for any of us to ever, ever get sucked in again. Maybe I should stay at my mother's for a while. I'm sure she'd love it. Did you know she's paying off Catherine Piper? If she insists on interfering, you're the only one with the authority to banish her. If I say do that, Paul, you must. Wendy's leaving. I beg your pardon? She's leaving me. Well. She's planning to... Where is she? In the kitchen. I tried to talk to her. You need to wait until after the trial is over. Why? Wendy's because it might and probably Flynn. will negatively influence the jury. You need to be by his side, at his side. I can't do that. If not for your husband, then for your children's father. I'm not speaking as a marriage counselor when the dish is dry. Look at me. Believe it or not, Wives don't statistically leave their husbands over infidelity. With the remotest possibility that you walking out could be perceived as you thinking he's guilty of murder, and there is that possibility, you cannot walk out that door now. Maybe I do think he's guilty of murder. You haven't asked my opinion on that, Alan. Let me ask. Do you think I'm guilty, Wendy? I don't know. A little bit. What? I'm, I'm supposed to assume that I know you, that... You know I'm not capable of violence. I didn't think that you were capable. 
tell you what I'm not capable of. Walking into a courthouse day after day by your side, pretending. If you don't pretend, he could be going to prison for life. For a crime he didn't commit. No matter how angry you are with him right now, you can't possibly want that. Will she stay? For now. Hopefully her anger will subside and we'll work it out. Victoria, I know how desperately you want to save your son, but you must, you must let me handle the defense. You're going to end up hurting him. I promise you. Just tell me you'll win. I can't do that at this point. It's too soon to predict anything yet. The case thus far is circumstantial. I work for perhaps the best criminal defense firm in the Commonwealth. We have every reason to be optimistic. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? Great line. Catherine Piper is a petty, vicious woman. And I'm sorry. People like Catherine Piper can only shoot spitballs. Spitballs sting. You know, Alan, I've always believed that people regret more the things they don't do than the ones they do. But one thing I did which I've long regretted, was sleeping with you. I'm sorry to hear that. I wasn't a virgin if it makes you feel better. Oh, it was quite clear at the time that you weren't a virgin. Bob Newhart is credited with that joke. It isn't that. Or even that you were young. Or even that you were Paul's best friend. Said then. I suspected that you'd fallen in love with me. Did I hurt you? Victoria, I was 16. Can a boy even be capable of love? What I remember most was your kiss. 16-year-olds <laughs> tend to kiss like they're eating chicken fingers. How many teenagers have you been with? Yours were so soft, gentle. What a complex villain they've created here. Yeah. Loving, I guess. been begging them to fill in some of his backstory and now they are well yeah 
This certainly starts painting the picture of why he's so fucked up. We've got some challenges in the Oopsies today. Yeah. To be continued. Okay. <clears throat> oh, I forgot it ended there. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, we are about to do the oopsies. But first, we're going to give you Mike's description of this episode. Here is the recap by Mike. Fuck buddy, Jamie Stringer returns to her childhood home of the Bruton Motor Lodge to defend <laughs> a childhood fuck buddy. Paul Stewart, who is wanted for stealing the Shasta Paul Stewart, who is wanted for stealing the Shasta of the town party girl. So uh there we are. Let us continue the party in uh our you see, Mike's too busy fiddling with the video, he's forgetting he has a segment. Oh no, I remember. Alright. I'll admit that I forgot to do it, of course. Take that torso. Alan's friend. Alan's friends in deep. Alan also fucked his mom. <laughs> Can he save? Hmm. He please save McDreamy. Okay. Oh man. I gotta start writing it down again. Uh, it's not working out. <laughs> well, to be fair, most of our segments don't. Yeah, fair. Uh, Except for this one, entitled... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now... Here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake award show that begin every week with... Um, yeah, well, um, yeah. Whoosh. Well, oh boy, nope. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with. Well, so, Alan. I mean, he's he's trying his best to like legit save his buddies. Hide. He's dealing with some really intense <clears throat> personal uh, conflicts of interest and maybe some triggers. And 
and also trying to like perceive the image that is going to be necessary for trial with his wife, even though all of that I know is complicated emotionally for him. Uh, and he's done so. He's made some sacrifices thus far. He's sacrificed Eleanor. He's sacrificed kind of probably his relationship with his friend's wife. Uh, but thus far, I think he's done the yeoman's work. So uh, I, I see some pitfalls he's probably going to encounter. But thus far, I think Alan Shore is uh, is the front runner for me. Yeah, no, for sure, and I, I will, I will say yes to yes, and uh, I thought his um, his his whole the the whole like skit he did as, yeah. as a surprise patient, and then like, oh, I just happened to be a lawyer, and I just happened to, I'm going to insert myself into this. Uh, he did it in such a credible way that I thought it was very clever and very well executed. So. Uh, Congratulations, Alan Shore, on your MBL. Coming up next. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Well, Keith, we find ourselves with a doozy this week, huh? Yes, we do. I mean, we've got ourselves Betty White, Jill Claiborne, Patrick Dempsey, uh, all, I think- Ed with, Asner? Yeah. I mean, as Ed, Ed Asner is in the episode, but I don't know that he reaches the performance well, level. Course. Yeah, it was, or the he doesn't have as big a part. But I mean, those three are all heavy hitters in this episode. I'm, I'm going to hope that we get to see more of Betty next week. Uh, my feeling, though, is that uh, I, I feel like she got to give so many great one-liners in this episode. She got to be such a <clears throat> kind of a B.I.T. And uh, yet then they gave her that scene in the back half where she gets to explain where that's coming from, where that animosity is coming from, why she has those teeth. I really thought it was just well-written, extremely well-cast, amazingly performed, just what a great little morsel. Patrick Dempsey. I mean, this whole, the sort of whole moral center of this arc here does sort of hinge a little bit on, did he do it? Uh, and people change, and what are people capable of? And And the whole episode is just full of people ensuring us that there's no way he's capable of this violence. But we see where he's brought up from. We see there's enough seeds there and there's enough foreshadowing that he very well could have. And what would that say if he did? And all of that hinges, I mean, the, the, the goodness of it hinges on Ken Patrick Dempsey with those beautiful McDreamy eyes mm -hmm. play the ambiguity. And good gracious, does he? I mean, we've seen plenty of, oh, he did it. Oh, he did, you know, this one is, this one could go either way. They could the story could go either way. And that is it's a it's a calculation and and I think that the ratio there's percentage of it goes to the writing, percentage of it goes to the, just the strength of the plot overall, the performances of of the ensemble, but a huge portion goes to Patrick Dempsey. So kudos kudos. However, for me, Keith, in this mm -hmm. one, I think Jill Claiborne we've seen some one-dimensional villains or let's say antagonists. Clayberg. Clayberg, excuse me. Um 
we've seen some really one-dimensional antagonists, and here we have just such a three-dimensionally fully fleshed out. Uh, it not only adds context and color to Alan Shore's character, it adds context to the Patrick Dempsey as Dr. Paul Stewart. It adds context and conflict to the episode. We want to see her get her comeuppance, but at the same time, she's trying. She's doing everything to help her son. It influenced so much. And then we get a scene at the end, which even, even mired in all of the kind of gross that you have discussed about that, that relationship between the two of them, there's a tenderness to it. There's an act, I, I believed her apology, but there was also, it could have been just, she's still trying to manipulate so much, so much. I really think we have to give the oopsie here in, an, in a chock full guest actor category to Jill Clayburgh. Yeah, I no, I don't have much to add to that. Uh, I just like I thought that they. Um, what was also really good about their scenes together, especially that last one, is they gave it enough oxygen, to allow the subtext to breathe a little bit, and I think that that was really excellent. So, yeah, Jill Clayburgh, like in a in an episode with like jam packed with giant stars, uh, yeah. I completely agree. So congratulations, Jill Clayburgh. Now it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show So, I think it's no surprise here. It's 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 Spader, but it's... Yeah. Spader's good... When he's given crap, but when he's mm-hmm. given well-written, yeah, high stakes, good stakes material, I mean, it's a whole nother level. I mean, it's so good here, and it it actually highlights a great that great email from from Matt earlier. From Matt, yeah. I mean, yeah, it yeah. he yes, we got the underhanded side of him, right? Like a lot of the stuff at the front end of the episode is not uh, in the handbook for how to morally lawyer uh litigate and you know obviously he's a party to that uh, extortion and he's all kinds of stuff but we see where it's coming from we're given all of the tools to understand his his sort of his process and why he's doing the things he's doing and i'm not saying i would do them but i could absolutely see the follow the breadcrumbs and it's just so well done and all of his even his sort of like sexual jokes land better when they're there was a there's not there, it lacked a flippancy that sometimes I write his character with. It all seemed more based in like a in a in a, in a logic that I can understand. Well, um, it was as I said, the those sexual jokes were the seasoning of the character, not the meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah exactly, and uh, and it's interesting. Alan Shore can be an interesting character. Uh, this I'll watch this show. The, I'm going to say it right now before we even get there. It is the best episode of the season without even a close second. I mean, really good. This is yeah. up there with some of the b- better episodes of the practice. This is really good. I'm compelled. I'm into it. And 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 Spader's a huge part of it. Oopsie. Yeah, yeah, all, all of that. Um, yeah, I mean, and and I I like when we see Spader's vulnerability. And 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 there's a lot of things that you know at this point in the story are very 
unclear, right? Why did he faint? Right? Was that a real faint? Was he? I thought when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, he needs to. He's planting evidence. He's taking evidence away. Like, who knows? But maybe, maybe there really was some vulnerability there, which makes me wonder. Then, like, all right, well. Did he have more of a relationship with this woman than we've than we know so far? I don't know. There's a lot of questions to be met, and I don't mind the ambiguity there because I I feel like it's going to pay off. I feel like we're going to get an answer to that. So, uh, yeah, Spader. So uh, there you go. Welcome back. Uh, you know who's never welcome? The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Oh, Keith, I have a doozy for you. Oh, great. I made a couple of little jokes there because everybody loves an evil dentist, which brings us back to Little Shop of Horrors. So how mm-hmm. about Tom Brady as Oren Scavello DDS in a community theater production of Little Shop of Horrors? Mmm. In community theater Little Shop. Great. And not not Isaac Yankum from WWF. Mm, who, who, who went on to become? Kane. Thank you. Who went well on done. to become the friggin' mayor? That's right. Wow. Okay. Oh wow. This is but, where the country we live in. That truly, truly, truly. All right. Well, I think uh, I'm actually looking forward to this. Let's talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Listen, all we ever say is just give us an A case. That's all we need. Yeah. And here we get it, and it's well fleshed out, and there are clear lines of, of moral ambiguity, and there are legitimate stakes. I actually, you know, we say this a lot too. A lot of, we always, obviously, the, the practice trope of, oh, it's an old friend. But what they lack so many times, they just mention it's an old friend, but they give us zero backstory and zero emotional depth to that friendship. Here, between the relationship, they build the backstory they give us in the script and some great performances. We feel those stakes. It makes sense. That whole seat, that whole ruse at the beginning makes a lot more sense that these are old buddies, right? And much, I'd much rather buy you and I, a but who've clearly established a relationship coming up with a ruse like that than just to ra- just a random person. We flew across the country to represent because maybe Eleanor went to law school with like much, much better. Um, the story is compelling. The all of the little sta- all of the little beats that we've we've seen in other episodes. Oh, we got to convince the wife to stay because of the view. Oh, it's a lot of press is interested in the story, so maybe we're a little nervous and we got to deal with that. Uh, we've got a we've got an antagonistic judge. What's awesome about you know it's so funny. It is the Bobby trope. We've got the Black Widow, but. They just seasoned it. It's the mom, and but we did sleep with her, so we we did get there. We got it all in. We got the Bobby McDonald in, but it's much better fleshed out. It's a much better storyline, and Spader knows when to hold him and fold him. Right? He know he knew he couldn't give you this. He had to pull back Alan Shore. He had to give us, and I think that he enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm compelled. I have some suspicions, but I don't know. Oh, and on top of that. There's none of this casting felt stunty. Every person that they put in there, mm. they're they're Betty White's not just Betty White for Betty White's sake. I mean, in some ways, but also her sort of her demeanor of being such a nice, pleasant, uh, milk toast 
Citizen pl- plays perfectly in that role as the person who's kind of extorting the money and calling out the rich person. I mean, uh, I don't know in the hands of a lesser actor that the Victoria Stu- the mom role would be as wonderful. There's so much good stuff happening. It's such a perfect part one. It's such a perfect part one. Yeah. And it hinges on a central mystery of, did he do it? And can we get him off? And we don't know. They really play, I think, really down the center here, which I enjoy. Um, and we know he had the affair. So, I mean, it's it, whether he's capable or not, I mean, you don't just run away. Like, that's always the big suspicion that me and Jen always talk. Every, every dateline we watch, it's like, all you have to do is call the cops. If you didn't do it, just call the cops. Um, yeah, yes, exactly. Right, your your face. It, it, yes, it's not that simple, and I can understand why you would run away if you're afraid. Blah blah blah. I'm just saying. So it's great. I, I love it. The 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 little nits I have are that what they still haven't solved, and you know Matt actually mentioned this in his email as well. They they really haven't solved for Eugene yet, because, mm. you know, I would have loved to see when they're. <clears throat> when they're playing the, when they're sort of all go team in the conference room and they're and they're strategizing, I would love to see if they very they could have had Eugene running point there, and finally maybe being like, oh, we got a real case, Allen's. We we could have used this as a chance to sort of reconcile some of that bullshit, but instead they just relegate him to being like stewing in the corner and just letting Allen run the show, which he doesn't have to do. I mean. He doesn't have to let this guy just run rough shot. Now, it does indicate that, oh, he's bringing a lot of money in, and maybe, but it just doesn't seem like Eugene to just to just allow the steamroll like that. Uh, mm. So they haven't solved for that, and that bugs me. Um, so that's a, definitely a knock against it. I, I would say that the Eleanor getting kicked off the case thing kind of was weak, but because they built the stakes so well, I buy it. I buy Alan making that decision. I gotta say... Uh, can you at the at the list here? What's the best episode I've ranked thus far this season? The highest, ep- uh, the highest you've ranked was victims. Uh, was victims' rights at uh, no police? Pol- no, actually, you rated victims' rights eight point eight one, and police state at eight point six two. This is a great episode of the practice. I'm not going to just say this season. I think it's a great episode of the practice. I wish it was more. We had more help from the team. But all right, Alan, it's it's your show now, so let's let's do this thing. Um, best episode I've seen in a long time. I'm gonna say nine point one one spare tires. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I think I think you covered a lot of that, um, and I I agree with you on all on on each of these pieces, and 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 this, um, this feels like the first act. To a really fun mystery thriller movie because we've planted so many seeds that we don't really even know what we're expecting to come out but like we planted a seed with the priest with betty white with uh you know with the mother with mcdreamy with the mcdreamy's wife you know i there's so many different things that I'm like, huh, I wonder with him fainting with whatever there's, there's a lot of suspects here. There's a lot of things that I I'm looking forward to see. How does it pan out? Even Ed Asner as the judge, like I'm looking forward to seeing more of that and their relation, their sort of antagonistic relationship. Um, the radio playing, like, was that specific? 
that has right. something to say about the media in the top like i don't know yeah it's it it is definitely an interesting um yeah so i it, you know hoping uh, it pays off again and uh, frankly i haven't seen this in 20 years so i really don't remember what happens <laughs> um so great i'm watch I'm, I'm kind of watching it fresh like you so i'm looking forward to seeing if all of these things pay off as well as they've been set up um but great performances interesting mystery and uh i really like because there's two mysteries right there's what happened here in this particular case did he do it did he not do it somebody else do it what's betty white going on blah 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 blah, blah. but the other mystery is alan right and we're getting a little bit of uh, a little a bit of a window into the mystery that is Alan. Sure. And for all of that, you get a solid nine. A flat hey! nine. So there it is. Uh, so uh, great news. And, and you know, and honestly, all the things that Matt was saying, all demonstrated in this episode. It's, it's a shame it waited till halfway through the season, but... It is indeed. Well, you don't have to wait halfway through the season to reach out and uh, communicate with us. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you know, while you're there, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other streaming service of your choice. We will gratefully welcome you to the jury. It's now just a memorial. Nobody's done it in more than a year. But you know what people have done more recently than a year, Mike? They've joined our Patreon. Patreon.com slash KM, all kinds of fun stuff. But not just the fun stuff. You can be a member of the team. We thank everybody who's taken the time to help offset some of our costs and time in bringing this content. But hey, if you don't have a penny to your name to give away, which I understand because gas costs all of the money, uh, you can help us out by just getting, like he said, like and subscribe, tell a friend, or if you're a fan of the Out of Practice podcast, some of our other stuff we're talking star trek we're watching star trek we're playing with toys we refuse to grow up and we hope that you do the same you can find a link to that patreon in your show notes and we appreciate taking the time to at least check it out in the meantime stay safe out there stay well continue to use mitigation steps mask hand sand and shoot off those laser sounds laser sound